0: Hey, good morning everyone. Glad y'all are here. Um, hope y'all are doing well. Let me uh, make sure some of my settings are correct. As usual, I have to set OBS up all over again. I've been seeing lots of streamers complaining about how every time you go live with OBS, you have to set it up all over again. Thanks to a windows update or an OBS update. And here we are every time got to reset it. I'm thinking about switching the StreamYard. Um, but I don't know. I hear also. I also hear complaints about that. But that's inside baseball. That's 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 content creator griping. I shouldn't start off the show with that. Excuse me. Mm. Let me have another sip of coffee. Good morning. This is just human number one hundred and forty-four. Uh, and I saw a comment from HQ Lion over in Rumble Chat saying they have never missed a show. I really appreciate that, HQ Lion. Thank you very much. And uh, good morning to everybody on Rumble. Everybody who's watching on Pill, uh, or Pill.net, or Foxhole. Everybody who's watching on D Live, and everybody watching over on Telegram. I wish Telegram would add a chat feature that you could do with the live shows. That would be that'd be pretty cool. But you can't. But if you're watching on Telegram and you would like to join the chat, you're welcome to open up another tab and just chat while you have the uh, the Telegram video feed open. The nice thing about the Telegram video feed is you can pop it out, to picture in picture, and then you can resize it and move it around. You can pin it, uh, which is really nice. I just don't have a a chat feature on there. Um, So welcome everybody. This is going to be recap of the Danchenko trial day one. And before I get into it, I want to share something with y'all real quick. Let me get to right here. So last night I was on um, with Patrick, with Patrick Gunnels. And we did a, one, we did a review of my substack. First, Patrick read my substack subsource, which is a preview of this trial. Some of the most important things about this trial that stand out to me anyway, important in my opinion, of course. And Patrick read this. And then I was there to give commentary over it while he was reading it, which was pretty cool. First time doing that kind of format where he would read a section and then I would give some commentary on it. And I liked it. I, I hope the audience liked it. I think they did. I think the feedback was pretty positive. And I thought that was a pretty neat format. Um, And I I liked it a lot. Anyway, we did it on Badlands Media, which is a new media group that um, John Harold, Tell Patriot, who I'm sure you all know, started up. And there's a number of us who are part of this media group and all it is is a way for us content creators to organize together and to schedule when we're going to do when we're going to do shows. So we have we're trying to do a show every night from one of the people that's in the content creator, if not two shows, and we're coordinating Substacks. and it's a new media group. We're trying to make sure that we have content for the community um, every day. If you're using Rumble or if you like Rumble, you can look up Badlands Media right here. And if you go to it, you'll see these shows so far um, Baseless Conspiracy Theories with John and Zach, which is basically where Zach uh, lets Patel know, or John know, all of the theories that he doesn't know. Like it's pretty funny because John is not. He doesn't, I don't, John doesn't know how deep the rabbit hole goes yet. <laughs> and then uh also after my appearance with Patrick, Patrick and Chris Paul did an episode called What We Missed, where they're also breaking down con- some conspiracy theories. And their show last night, uh, they were looking at the Challenger disaster, uh, the Challenger space shuttle disaster. And it was pretty entertaining. Show is pretty good. So if you're interested in this, tu- in this stuff, I would highly recommend watching this show from last night. Um, where we covered that sub stack, like I said, and we also talked a little bit about this, what happened in the trial today or yesterday, day one of the Durham trial or the Danchenko trial, I should say. All right. Give it a follow. If you are also, also, if you're on true social, which you should be because Trump wants you to be on true social, you can go to Badlands Media. There's a true social account. And you'll find links there for all the shows that we're doing. Give it a follow. If you're not sure which Badlands Media is, is the correct one, you can go to my profile on True Social and just click right there. And you'll it'll take it. it'll take you to it. Okay. Let me close that stuff out now. And let me go back to this one. Because I got... I got a bit of a preamble. I want to be I want to be very candid and uh, forthcoming with how I'm approaching this Danchenko trial. So one my entire approach to anything spygate is to try to take a fresh look. Thank you, JC Bird. Good morning, my friend. Um, I, I'm trying to take a fresh look at it. There's a lot of programmed narratives coming out of both sides of the media, out of conservative incorporated media, out of uh, corporate mainstream media. There's programming coming out of uh, the swamp and their media and their influencers. There's also programming coming out of Trump and his team. And I don't mean programming in a negative, necessarily. I just mean that there are certain narratives that all these different groups are trying to get across. Most of them are aiming at the normies. Most of them are naming are aiming their narratives and the information and the takes they're putting out um, at the peripheral consumers of news. The people who come across news and look for a 30-second, three minute soundbite at most. They read headlines and may read the first paragraph of an article. It would be a big ask of them to read more than two paragraphs of a, of a news article. There's lots of that going on. I'm trying not to do that. I like to get into the details and I like to try and approach it with a fresh look and try and consider alternate alternate possibilities. Liz Jen or Liz Liz Jen over on rumble. Thank you very much for the rant. Thank you. Yeah. They thought it, it's, it's just me. Hey, I know you. It's just me. Thank you very much. Yeah. I really enjoyed the show last night. I had a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> wild thing. I don't know if you are a normie. <laughs> I kind of think all of us are a bit of a normie in, on, in some respect and we just don't know it. Uh, But anyway, the way I approach this stuff is I'm trying to give it a fresh look and trying not to bring that programming with me and to consider what the material is in front of me in its context, what are the possibilities of what it could mean, and I'm willing to entertain alternate takes. Just want to put that out there because some of the stuff I posit, some of the things I speculated about, some of the things that I think might be really going on here are not so mainstream. Now of course if you're here watching this show you're probably not, you don't consume that much mainstream news anyway. So you probably look at things pretty similarly to how I do and approach things pretty similarly to how I do. Uh, But I just wanted to lead that off, lead off with that. Now the next thing, the trial of Danchenko is a federal trial in the Eastern District of Virginia there are no there are no cameras in the courtroom this is not broadcast that's not specific to this trial that's how all trials all federal trials are They're, the federal court system has not caught up with the century they haven't caught up with this century um they haven't they, they ban all sorts of things and <laughs> let's see if i have john here just a second i can show you uh the epoch times reporter i'm going to end up grabbing his stuff anyway let me grab what he had to say about it because he's pretty funny. The So that's why there's no coverage of this, of this trial. You're not gonna be able to watch it on TV. But what makes it even more difficult to cover this trial is that this courtroom has some unique rules here in the Eastern District of Virginia. And that is that all electronic devices are banned, as well as matches, Drano, uh, cartoon bombs, cameras, laptops, cell phones, knives, and guns. So that means there's not going to be any live threading of this case like we got with Sussman and like we've gotten with other cases, where there's a reporter in the courtroom who is quickly typing out what is being said back and forth. Instead, we have to rely on people who are there to inform us of what was said and what occurred in the courtroom, either on their breaks or at, at later in the evening. Oh yeah, also no food and drinks, no dangerous chemicals, no explosives. Uh, yeah, so... For me, that makes it really frustrating, and I'm sure for y'all it makes it really frustrating, because it's it 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 restrains how much how much news we can get out of this. Um. So I'm like, I gotta admit, I I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm just gonna tell y'all right now, um, I am frustrated that we're, we're having that we were restricted in this way from what I think is one of the most important trials, um, of our lifetime of our lifetime. Really? Now it's not the end all be all. It's not, this trial is going to take down the deep state. Okay. It's not going to do the, it's I don't, I don't expect this trial to deliver some killer blow to the entire criminal cabal. But it is an extremely important trial in a series of trials that I believe are going to be taking place. So what I am having to do, and actually here's one more thing. There are transcripts for this trial, which really would be the best way to get information about it. As opposed, I mean, if you can't be there and you can't get a live video feed, the next best thing would be to have the transcripts but the transcripts are not available to me. If I click on these within PACER, it lets me know I do not have access to this transcript. Now, I think that if I was a lawyer with an account in a firm or something, and had some kind of bar license ID, I don't even know exactly what, I would maybe have access to this. I know that there are lawyers who are able to get access to these transcripts within 24 hours of a trial, and that'd be great. But I am not a lawyer. I also know that these cost a bit of money. I'm not sure exactly how much, but I think I remember Robert Gouvea, Robert Gouvea, whatever his name is, over on YouTube, who's really great. He's really great. He's pretty normally conservative in his takes, but he's really good at doing a, a breakdown of court filings and whatnot. I watch his stuff. He did in the suspect trial. He was able to get these transcripts and go through them real quick, rapid fire. But he said that it cost him quite a bit of money to to get these. And um, I don't know that he w- he got them just because he is a lawyer, or if because he had you know a friend in the courtroom who gave them to him. Anyway, I'm letting y'all know that these are the hindrances, these are the struggles of trying to to cover this case, and so not doing that so much to complain as much as to let you know this is what i'm having to do i'm having to scan as much as possible news articles and rely on people who are there which there aren't very many people at this trial who are reporting on it and i'm having to look at the news articles that come out in the evening so last night um, before i went on with patrick and then after i was on with patrick I was going through various news articles, trying to find what happened in this trial. Trying to determine what the booms were, what the exchanges were. And for me, who's a detailed oriented guy, I like I liked getting into the details and then pulling way back and giving a 40,000 foot view. And it's, I, it, this is making it difficult, but we do have some major things, but I think as as big as the news that came out of the first day is and there's a there's a few things that are really big that we got I think much more actually came out yesterday I think I, I think that there's substantially more that could be gleaned out of what happened in the trial yesterday, but unfortunately everybody is filtering it through the lens they approach this stuff with. So everybody's giving their take on it and their interpretation of what was said and what it means, instead of giving the raw, raw exchanges, which is what I really want. But we're gonna do our best this morning, and I have something I want to present before I dig into the major uh, the major happenings from yesterday. Pepe Lives Matters had this to say yesterday. Reminder to keep your expectations hopeful, but tempered for this Durham trial. The small players are for awakening. Durham has already proven that Clinton paid for the entire Russiagate scandal and effectively committed treason. So even if this doesn't turn out the way we hope today and this week, the world is awakening. But ultimately, we care about seeing the major players go down, not the minions doing the bidding. Stay calm and know that the military is the only way. Keep your faith protected and hope guarded. Don't let anything take that away from you. It is important. The fall of Babylon does not hinge on one Danchenko conviction. God is taking care of everything, and he doesn't need things to go the way us anons expect to tear the entire system down. And you know this. Boy, don't expectations screw us up. I've seen a lot of uh, people who actually know the intimate details of Spygate better than I do be completely blackpilled over the past couple months about the filings in this trial or in this case because their expectations were so different from what the reality is and instead of altering what they expected or adjusting their expectations adapting to the new information they've they've gone completely blackpilled and it's been frustrating for me to see now, I had something to add to this that I would like to share with you because I think it's really important to keep this in mind. It's important to consider what Pepe Lives have them, had to say, Pepe Lives Matter had to say. But I really want to drive this home with y'all. And I want y'all to keep it in mind this entire week. I actually may reference this and read it more than once. So sorry if I get repetitive. If the Smith case, if Smith had gotten the full measure of the potential sentence under 18 U.S.C. 1001, a false statements charge, which would be five years imprisonment plus a fine, how much would that have mattered to you? If Sussman had gotten the same, five years in prison plus a fine how much of a win would that have been? If Danchenko gets even half the available maximum sentence, which would be about 12 years in prison plus fine, would you regard that as a knockout blow to the deep state? The convictions of the minor players would be nice, and I would celebrate it bigly, but it wouldn't carry forward the overall dismantling of the deep state and swamp nearly as much as what we have gotten out of these cases. Klein-Smith got a deal because he talked. The Sussman case forever destroyed the Alpha Bank hoax. It got a mark. It got Mark Elias, Hillary Clinton's attorney, and the DNC attorney. It got Mark Elias, Robbie Mook, and a number of other people, including FBI agents, before a grand jury and on the witness stand. Mook, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, admitted that Hillary Clinton herself approved the sharing of the hoax with the med- with the corrupt media. We learned of Jaffe, who is still under investigation, and his companies, and the researchers, and the spying on the executive office of the president. And we got FBI agents on the stand where we learned they, were too, they too were under investigation. Most importantly, the Sussman case and trial busted down the attorney-client privilege wall that these corrupt people have used for decades to hide their criminality. The Danchenko case is no different. I don't expect a conviction, though I do expect Durham will successfully prove his case, and I do want a conviction. What I do expect and have seen in the filings to date is the further dismantling of the Steele dossier, the exposure of longtime Clinton apparatchik Chuck Dolan, who was referred for investigation, the absolute bombshell that Danchenko was made a CHS, a confidential human source, a paid informant, and then he informed on Dolan and others. And now Dolan is going to testify against Danchenko. The Danchenko case has given us the real Russian collusion, which was between Hillary, the Dems, their PR firms, Steele, and the Ukrainian-born suspected Russian asset Danchenko and his source, the Russian swamp-loving Chuck Dolan. This is mob trial stuff. Durham is working his way up, getting the right people before grand juries, on witness stands, getting the docs, and getting the filings he needs in court, in the court record, for future prosecutions of corrupt players higher up. Dismantling a criminal syndicate cannot be done within just one trial. It takes many investigations, many cases, many trials. Danchenko is an important one, but it is just one of many. And with that, Let me refresh the docket real quick to make sure there's not another filing that's dropped while I've been live. Okay, we're good there. All right, let's get to the big threads. Let's get to uh, what happened yesterday. John of the Epoch Times. I'm gonna call him John, cause I, uh, I can think of about four different ways to pronounce his last name. So I'm just gonna call him John. All right. Yesterday morning, a 16 member jury was seated and opening arguments are set for Tuesday afternoon in the trial of Igor Danchenko, a Russian national charged with five counts of making false statements to the FBI in regards to the origins of the Steele dossier. Eastern District of Virginia, U.S. District Judge Anthony Tringa presided over the 90 minute long jury selection, which includes four alternates. Now, they had already been going through a bunch of these jurors leading up to this last week, and they, were struck, they struck a whole bunch. They narrowed it down and were able to get a jury seated within 90 minutes, which is very impressive. They were drawn from a pool of 91 candidates, 89 of whom were present in the room. Before jury selection, Special Counsel John Durham unsealed the government's witness list, and tringa was presented three issues, the prosecution and Danchenko's attorneys, Stewart Sears, and Danny Onorato want resolved before getting too deep into the proceedings. Durham sought clarity from Tringa on a defense motion to limit evidence from previous counter espionage cases, including that of Paul Manafort's investigation and an FBI investigation of Danchenko dated to 2009 to 2010, with the agency closed after he left the country, allegedly. Allegedly, that was the reason. That was 10 years before the allegation here, Sears, Danchenko's lawyer argued, I don't think it's necessary. The defense also wants to introduce, quote, a series of articles from May, June, 2016, an email chain and other documents that it maintains will show Danchenko didn't lie to agents in August of 2017. Tringa will rule on these issues. When the court resumes at 1 PM, there will be seven witnesses called during the trial. That's pretty interesting because Durham sought 30 subpoenas. But as of right now, it looks like there's going to be seven witnesses called. Danchenko, who supplied the information included in the discredited Steele dossier, is on trial for allegedly lying to the FBI about who his sources were and what his relationship with them was, including Charles Dolan, a Democratic operative. His defense maintains he was never asked by the FBI to name specifically his sources. That's untrue, Durham said. The FBI, quote, made it abundantly clear they were asking for any and all information related to the Steele dossier sources. He also said there was no misunderstanding. And so, with court set to resume at 1 p.m., it's back to the Eisenhower era, No laptops, cameras, cell phone, hand grenades, or liquid Drano allowed in the William B. Bryant U.S. courthouse. And I really liked this guy, but unfortunately he decided that was it for yesterday and today, and he did not thread anymore. And I found that really disappointing. I was hoping that he would provide more information because he's really good, but he didn't. That's okay. We've got some reporting. Sean Langill, Langilly, not sure how, how you're supposed to say his last name. He's a producer at Fox News. And he has somebody in the courtroom who fed him some information, apparently, because he reported, new during questioning from Special Counsel John Durham, Brian Otten, a supervisory counterintelligence analyst with the FBI, revealed the FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million if he could corroborate allegations in the dossier, but that Steele could not do so. Oughton repeatedly admitted, under questioning from Durham, that the FBI never got corroboration of the information in the Steele dossier, but used it in the initial FISA application and in three subsequent renewals let me see if these two guys have added anything else to this so this is the major story that has come out of day one that the fbi one that durham got that durham got brian oughtan fbi agent brian oughtan to on the stand to testify about this stuff let me see now this guy doesn't have anything else No, and he rarely tweets anyway. Let us see if Jake, Jake Gibson did. Nope. Nope. This is absolutely the biggest story coming out of this case on day one. The FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million to prove the dossier claims. So I went back and looked. And... Washington Examiner had an article back in, I think this article was from like 2020 or 2019 and the FBI supervisor, it is from October, 2016, FBI supervisory special agent whose name is redacted. I believe that name turned out to be Brian Otten signed their name on the initial FISA application saying, I declare under penalty of perjury that the, that the foregoing information regarding Carter W page is true and correct. The top, the top FBI approval for the initial FISA direction, application came from former FBI Director James Comey, who signed his name under a statement which read, in part, that, quote, certified with regard to the redacted request in this verified application targeting Carter W. Page, an agent of the government of Russia. And then today, shortly before 2016, which would be October, the FBI offered a million dollars to Steele to prove these allegations. So to boil it down, the FBI was unsure about these ap- this information that was in the Steele dossier. So Christopher Steele, who at one time was a paid informant for the FBI, by the way, they offered him a million dollars to try and prove it. Christopher Steele said he couldn't, but the FBI got the FISA on Carter Page anyway. The very obvious take the very obvious thing to, to get out of that is that man we got some we got some corruption here. y'all remember how and let me move the screen just a minute. y'all remember how or have you noticed? How much blackpilling has been going on in regards to Durham from certain people saying that, oh, Durham's just a cover-up job. Durham's just going to protect the FBI. Durham isn't going to expose any corruption in the FBI. Durham's going to protect him. Durham's going to protect the deep state. The Black Pillar said Durham was covering for the deep state and the FBI. Obviously, that's wrong. Obviously, that's wrong. Because Durham just exposed this, which is something none of us ever knew until now. Brand new information from the horse's mouth, Brian Otton. Brian Otten. Brian Otten was, uh, involved in the beginning of crossfire hurricane. Brian Otten was involved with, uh, something else that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Oh, I wish I could remember it. And then Brian Otten was also involved with the Hunter, Lo- Hunter Biden laptop story. Brian Otten was named in the whistleblower accounts that were given to Grassley and Johnson this summer as being one of the problem FBI agents who was up top, who was, who was covering things up and preventing good investigations from happening. And Durham got Brian Otten on the stand yesterday. And he admitted to this, that they see to me, there's, there's, there's more than one thing here in this admission. There's the million dollars to steal, to prove the allegations. All right, that's like one issue. Are you okay with that? Do you, how do you feel? How do you, what, how do you feel, which we're humans, we have to consider our emotions and how we feel about things. That tends to be how we decide stuff, is how we feel. Do we feel okay with the FBI offering a million dollars to Christopher Steele to prove these allegations? Uh, don't really care for that. Don't, don't really care for that, do we? Don't like that. Now, how do we feel about the allegations being used, the steel dossier material, pieces of it being used in a FISA warrant on Carter Page, and even though the person who handed over that information couldn't prove couldn't prove what was in those allegations for even a million dollars, he couldn't prove it. But they used it anyway, to get a FISA warrant, which was then renewed three more times. Not liking that. I don't feel good about that at all. But Dawson here replied to me, the big brain take. That's pretty exonerating for Trump. As a consequence, ...of Steele not being able to prove, even for a million dollars, the allegations that were in the Steele dossier. The FBI at the same time exonerated Trump by proving that these allegations could not be proved. And this is exactly what I mean... ...about considering the information that comes out of Spygate... From more than one angle. Now, most most media are going to go with the take that I presented the first the first the first of this, that darn that FBI, how corrupt are they? They offered a million dollars to Christopher Steele. That's so terrible. But I think the most significant thing about it is that. Even Steele, who gave them the dossier, couldn't prove it for a million dollars, which completely exonerates Trump. Now, we all knew Trump wasn't guilty of the allegations. Of course, of course. We all we know that. Do normies? There's millions of TDS riddled people who think those allegations might have been true or that there was something to them. But in offering the million dollars to Steele, they at the same time proved that those allegations were completely false. See how there's more than one way to look at this? Now Dawson asked a great question. I'm wondering how many of Steele's sources got identified while Steele tried getting them to give him something he could use. We know that Danchenko is one. I wonder if there are any more we don't yet know about. After all, we know from the court filings leading up to the trial that the information that Danchenko gave the FBI was used in investigations multiple was vital information used in multiple investigations but we don't know what those investigations were Larry Beach made a great point about the million dollars to put it in perspective A million dollars is approximately one-third of Durham's annual budget as a special counsel. According to what the money he's used this year anyway. In the previous years, he used a lot more than that. Um, But recently, he hasn't used as much money for his budget. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a budget report for Durham this month. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, to put it into perspective, that's about one-third of Durham's budget. Okay, got that. And that. Hold on just a moment. Regina here, who I am not familiar with, was at the trial and she did some threading on it, but it's too interpretive. In, in my opinion, it's really interpretive. Um, it's it's not specific quotes. Um, but this one is Durham asked Brian Otten, do you recall when you met with Steele? Was he able to corroborate any of the information? And Brian answers, we proffered up. We offered up a million and still could not prove any of the evidence. So now we have it on record. We have this, we have this on record. This is huge that we have this on record. There's another piece of this information that I haven't seen as much reporting on. And, uh, it's just a it's just a fact that all the report all the reporters and there's not very many reporters there other reporters there they're going to put their own lens on things now John Solomon said this this information is why I have fought to get the declassified documents released. The FBI failed to corroborate the dossier but still submitted its claims as verified defies the court after offering a million dollars skin approved claims and he didn't. but check this out. Everybody hung on the million dollars, but a lot of people missed this. The FBI had an immunity deal with steel source Danchenko. That's right. The FBI had an immunity deal with Igor Danchenko. The FBI set up an immunity agreement with British ex-spy Christopher Steele's main source shortly before the Bureau made Igor Danchenko a paid confidential human informant in early 2017. Danchenko was on the FBI's payroll as a CHS from March 2017 to October 2020. By the way, that's a really good amount of time to be informing on people. I wonder who he talked about as shown by Durham court filings, but he was charged in November, 2021, with five counts of lying. He's pleaded not guilty and his lawyers claim the FBI will praise his work for the bureau. Durham prosecutor, Michael Keelty said Tuesday that the FBI in early 2017 had two main goals related to Danchenko. Uncovering the Russian dossier sources and attempting to either corroborate or refute the dossier's allegations. Kielty noted the existence of the immunity agreement in his opening argument, arguing that its requirements were, the Danchen- that were that Danchenko tell the truth, not conceal information, and not lie. Well, he did. Danchenko defense lawyer Danny Onorato argued that Kielty was lying about the existence of an immunity agreement during his own opening argument, telling the jury, that's a lie, he just lied to you. Onarawa told the jury to think about that while you consider the government's case, as he argued that the agreement his client had signed in January 2017 did not provide immunity for the prosecution. After the jury left the room, Durham said that the comments by Danchenko's lawyer were highly inappropriate and untrue. He said the agreement Danchenko had signed with the Justice Department referenced the statute guiding immunity and Durham called on the judge to instruct the jury to disregard Danchenko's lawyer's claims. Guilty and honorado continued to debate the document quietly during a recess. The judge ended up siding with Durham's team. Yay. And shot down Danchenko's argument. Quote, I think the jury does need to be told something. Judge Anthony Tringa said before they walked in. Durham repeated that the jury should be instructed to disregard the Danchenko lawyer's claims. The judge said that although Danchenko was not given total immunity, he was absolutely given partial immunity. Tringa said simply, that's an immunity agreement. Danchenko's lawyer kept trying to argue the issue, but the judge wouldn't have it. I don't want to prejudice the Mr. Danchenko because of his counsel's improper remarks," the judge said. Now, in the, if we could hear this live, this was a smack. I mean that the judge, the judge just did a a slap across the face of Danchenko's high power lawyer there, telling him, "Look, this is an immunity agreement, and I don't want to prejudice Mr. Danchenko." Because of his counsel's improper remarks, not a good start for Danchenko's defense team. That the judge just did just slapped you across the face like that. Ouch. Mister. Honorado's statement needs to be clarified. Tringa told the jury, adding, "Quote while it does not provide total immunity." It does provide some immunity. It does provide use immunity is what this quote is, but I kind of think that doesn't really work. It does provide use immunity. I I think that's a misquote right there. (laughs) Sammy the Squirrel, good morning. Yeah, the judge basically says, sit down and shut up. (laughs) That's basically what the judge did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The agreement was signed between Danchenko his former defense lawyer Mark Chamel and David Lofman, the now former chief of the counterintelligence and export control section within the National Security Division at the Department of Justice. The letter was signed January 24th, 2017. That would be after that would be right after the three days of interviews that Danchenko gave to the FBI in January 2017. The first day, the first day. Oh, it'd be the first day. Sorry, I got the dates mixed up. It'd be the first day and three consecutive days of interviews. So, oh man, okay, that just hit me. So that means those three days of interviewing Dancinko On day one, they said, "Look, man, we'll give you a, an immunity agreement, a partial immunity agreement, but you got to give us all that you know, and you got to tell us the truth here. You have to reveal everything to us, and we'll give you immunity." And Danchenko lied. Danchenko omitted information. Danchenko gave them some, but not all. And it was what he hid from them and the lies he told that has landed him with these charges. And that's why his immunity agreement was thrown out. They gave him an immunity agreement on the first of three consecutive days of interviews. And this this buffoon, this moron, Danchinko continued to lie to them. Wow. In scanning this article, I did not pick up on that, and now I'm picking up on that. Wow. The immunity arrangement called for complete and truthful testimony from Danchenko. The agreement indicated that, quote, your client must answer all questions regarding the subject matter of this investigation and must not withhold information. And that Danchenko was not supposed to falsely implicate any person. Oh. Nor attempt to shield or protect anyone. Oh. He did both of those things. Durham said the agreement was void if Danchenko lied. Wow. FBI supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Otten, who testified during the trial on Tuesday, was one of the FBI agents who interviewed Danchenko in January 2017. Otten said neither Danchenko nor Steele ever provided corroborating information for the dossier, even though the FBI had offered the former MI6 agent up to a million dollars if he could back up his claims, which he apparently could not. According to Durham, Danchenko anonymously sourced a fabricated claim about Trump 2016 campaign manager Paul Manafort to Charles Dolan. He actually sourced way more than that. And uh, uh, Durham said in a filing that Dolan is going to testify that he, Dolan, fabricated everything he gave to uh, to Danchenko. Dolan is a Clinton ally who spent years, including 2016, doing work for Russian businesses and the Russian government. See, right here, guys. You see this? Let me read that again. Dolan is a Clinton ally who spent years, including 2016, doing work for Russian businesses and the Russian government. This is the real Russian collusion. This is the real Russian collusion. They, all, they always accuse us. The, the, left, the left and the swamp always accuse their opponents of what they themselves are doing. Always. And here it is. Durham's indictment also says Danchenko lied to the FBI about a phone call he claims he received from Sergey Million. A U, Belarus-born U.S. citizen and businessman with whom, with whom Steele's source had said told him about a conspiracy of cooperation between former President Donald Trump and the Russians, which the special counsel says is false. Keelty had argued during his opening statement that Danchenko, quote, fabricated a source, Million, and concealed a source, Dolan, that's correct. The prosecutor said that Danchenko's false statements were quote lies that the FBI relied on in an historic investigation into an alleged collusion between US citizens and the Russian government and lies that the FBI should have uncovered, but never were. The prosecutor said that the Steele dossier would cause the FBI to engage in troubling conduct and the defendant's lies contributed to the surveillance of Trump campaign associate Carter Page. Now this language is really careful. This language is careful here. Okay. From Durham's team, Michael Keelty, quote, Danchenko's lies are lies that the FBI relied on in a historic investigation into alleged collusion between U.S. citizens and the Russian government. And lies that the FBI should have uncovered, but never were. I want to drive this point home because mm, I'm trying not to cuss this morning because I know that some people prefer that I don't. And occasionally my mom watches this show. So if I if I need to need to try and keep it clean. These friggin' black pillars who keep trying to tell us that Durham is a cover-up job and that Durham is protecting the FBI. I want to point you to this line the FBI should have uncovered. Should. This is yet another indication that Durham is not covering up for the FBI. But he has to do this piece by piece. By piece and establish each piece of evidence, each witness testimony. He has to build up to it. And sentences like this the FBI should, which is language I picked up on recently in some of the filings that Durham was saying would and should. The FBI would have done this if they had known this. The FBI should have done this once they found this out. He is forecasting or foreshadowing, I believe, my speculation, he is foreshadowing a reckoning with the bad actors within the FBI. He is pointing to corruption and to bad actors in the FBI and he I think he has one of them on the stand. I think Brian Orton Like I said, I'm trying to do a fresh approach to this. Most people have decided that Brian Otten is absolutely nefarious, bad guy. And I do lean that way. I absolutely lean that way. But I want this stuff in context so I can be sure of it. And right here, he's saying, look, FBI, which Otten was over this thing. Otten was the intelligence analyst who was over this thing and handled this. he should have uncovered these lies. And once he did, he should have taken that to the FISA court and said, look, we gave you this information, judge, that you used to open this warrant on Carter Page, and now we found out new information as relates to this warrant. And as required by law, we're informing you of this, judge. That's why Danchenko's lies are material, by the way. That's not my opinion. That's from Durham's filings. Danchenko's lies are material because his lies caused or prevented the FBI from doing what they were required to do by law. That's a, that's an important, I'm glad Washington, I'm glad this is Jerry Dunleavy, I believe, right? Jerry Dunleavy, yeah, at at um at Washington Examiner. This is a this is an outstanding article from him. I'm going to share it on my socials later. The prosecutor, Michael Keelty, said that the Steele dossier would cause the FBI to engage in troubling conduct. See, that's more foreshadowing. That's more foreshadowing of the reckoning that is coming for these agents within the FBI. And quote the defendant's lies contributed to the surveillance of Trump campaign associate Carter Page. Let me be crystal clear from the outset Igor Danchenko is not guilty, Honorado said, countering his arguments that his statements were truthful. Honorado contended that Danchenko courageously, loyally, and honestly served the U.S. national security interest as a paid informant. The defense lawyer also argued that the evidence at trial would eviscerate excuse me, would eviscerate any claim that Danchenko, quote, was anything but untruthful before correcting himself to say truthful. Later in it, (laughs) oh, that's embarrassing. Later in his opening statement, the defense lawyer said Danchenko was guilty before quickly correcting himself mid-sentence to say not guilty. Oh my gosh, guys. Danchenko's defense team is not having a good first day. Oh, smacked down by the judge and then they they accidentally said that their own client was guilty and that their own client was untruthful. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, Freudian slip, Sammy the Squirrel, that's right. Oh. I have, I have further thoughts on this, but I don't want to know if, I don't know if I want to get down the rabbit trail just yet. I have, I have some further thoughts on, uh, some of that. I know I want to get into this and where is my, I had said last night on Patrick's show that I was going to dig into Brian Otten because I had done a dig on him a while back and actually it wasn't my dig to be. I mean, I, I have a dig on him with some various links, but, um, climate audit who has become, he's not the most black pilled person in the Twitter research sphere of Spygate researchers, but he's gotten that way. Um, he's not the worst of them though, but he dug into Brian Otten a number of times. And I just wanted to pull this up and remind er or show everybody that Brian Aughton is once again in the news in connection with the 2020 FBI intel assessment of the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. From Grassley's report this summer back in July. It's been alleged that the FBI developed information in 2020 about Hunter Biden's criminal, financial, and related activity. It is further alleged that in August 2020, FBI supervisory intelligence analyst Brian Otten opened an assessment which was used by FBI headquarters, FBI HQ, to improperly discredit Hunter Biden information and negate Hunter Biden information as disinformation and caused investigative activity to cease based on allegations verifiable verified and verifiable derogatory information on hunter biden was falsely labeled as disinformation remember timothy tebow who resigned he's connected to this and brian otten is also connected to this In December 2019, Supervisory Intel Analyst, SIA is the abbreviation. Previously, an unknown personage played a leading role. The Horowitz text described multiple missteps and mistakes involving the SIA, but they were mostly not listed in the whitewashing summary. Full Full Nelson, Walk of Fire, Hans and I began collaborating via Twitter DM group right after Horowitz identity of SIA was an early interest. In February 2020, I reported that the SIA present at Crossfire birth, Crossfire Hurricane at the very beginning of it, worked for MAFA and surmised that Brian in MAFA transcript was the SIA. See, way back in February 2020, they were trying to figure out who is this Brian guy who is referenced in these text messages and that Horowitz report referred to. Brian in this text is almost certainly one of the original Crossfire team members, perhaps case agent two, but more likely in my opinion, the supervisory Intel analyst climate audit was correct. Absolutely. As a policy point, I observe at the time that it was ludicrous that federal cer- civil service agreement only permitted identification of the very most senior officials. Though intimately involved in highly influential assessments, Otten's identity was concealed even from Congress. He goes on to say that he found two different Brian Two different Brians that were SIAs with Washington phone numbers. Their names were their last names were Otten and Cohen. He located that some of their background some of the background information on Otten first mentioned him in RussiaGate that I'm aware of. I'm still he's still only on a short list. This is the guy right here, Brian Otten. Identification of Otten of as the SIA came from an unexpected source. Now get this, guys. In May, on May 7th of 2020, in Exhibit 9 to a Flynn motion, that would be General Flynn's motion, fire, another Twitter researcher, noticed Otten's name in a less redacted version of a Crossfire email. We were then sure that Otten was the SIA. So I want to point this out. Thanks to the General Flynn case and document number 198-10, page 2. This little crumb. This little crumb right here, Brian J. Otten, appeared. In between Sally Moyer, Prestap, Pienka, Maffa. And that was a clue as to who the Brian was that Horowitz was referencing. And that were in the documents from the very beginning of Crossfire Hurricane. At the time, we were focused on identification of Steele's primary subsource. By then, we had figured out that the FBI had lied repeatedly, both to Congress and courts, that the primary subsource was, quote, Russian-based when he actually lived near DC, probably Northern Virginia, that'd be Danchenko. On July 17th, 2020, the heavily redacted Danchenko EC, that's an electronic communication, was published. We could tell right away that Otten was one of the interviewers and as it turned out, author of the EC. Special Agent Soma, the other interviewer left Crossfire Hurricane and returned to the New York field office almost immediately after the interview. Now, I remember I said this the other week that I was trying to remember the name of the FBI agents who handled some of these pieces. And I think, and I said Soma might be one of them, but I couldn't remember. I was right. But I'm still trying to remember the names of the agents who handled the previous counterintelligence investigation from 2019 to 2010 and I I, I keep thinking that Soma is one of them but I'm not I'm not positive but here we have that EC this is from 24th January 2017 those three days of interviews where they they offered this immunity agreement which Danchenko and his lawyers Danchenko signed and then immediately violated and that's why he's been charged fbi supervisory intelligence analyst right there that's brian otten the other agent is soma now let me let me extract and connect a couple things and i already see people in chat connecting it too one we have horowitz report horowitz gathered information and horowitz turned this stuff over to durham so thanks to Michael Horowitz investigation, Durham got this information on Otten and on how this, this primary subsource was handled, right? Horowitz's work was a precursor to the work that Durham is doing. And I 100% do not buy in to the narrative that there's some sort of uh, stonewalling or interference from the IG from Horowitz and Durham. I do not believe that at all. I don't buy into it. I, I believe that Horowitz and Durham are working together. And I don't, I don't buy that, that talk at all. Um, in fact, I kind of think it's, well, I won't get into that. The other thing is that as unchained over on Foxhole, hello to everybody on Foxhole points out Flynn, the Flynn case yet again is giving us information into this, into this case. Yet again, the Flynn case, there were, there's, there are things there that you can extract and you can, you can learn from it and expose pieces of the swamp and pieces of the deep deep state. That's right, Florida girl. It had to be this way. It had to be this way. If you haven't figured out how much of a sting this, this whole thing is, boy, you should, you should keep watching my show. I'll tell you. And I'm probably about to go off and tell you in just a minute. Uh, all right, back to this awesome thread by Climate Audit. Shout out to him. He, this he's one of the guys that is so in the details of Spygate, so in the details, and he's very, very good, very, very good. Um, he's also not super black pilled on Durham or super black pilled on Bill Barr, but he he's very much one of the guys who has 100% bought into the FBI bad narrative and has been disappointed with Durham because he, there's a lot of people, and I'm saying this, I'm not saying this to criticize him. I'm saying this because I know there are people in this chat who feel this way. Okay. I want to be very clear. I have a lot of respect for climate audit, but I know there's a lot of people, including him and in this chat, who have been very, very focused on FBI bad narrative. And that's a narrative that Trump and team want out there. Okay, it's an important narrative for it to be for that to be out out there. We need that narrative out there for a number of reasons, and I got into some of those reasons with uh, Patrick last night on the show that we did together. But we can't allow ourselves to be so focused on that that we miss some of the things I pulled out of this article, some of the foreshadowing that is happening here that we miss that Durham is not actually covering up for the FBI, but he's focused on one piece of this criminal conspiracy at a time and getting these things established so that he can do future court cases. And we also should not let the FBI bad narrative get into us so much that we fail to recognize where the FBI did the right thing or where the FBI actually had success. The focus needs to be on the agents who actually did the wrong thing, not the institution as a whole, in my opinion, because without the institution, without the good people that are in the FBI who did good work, we wouldn't be where we are and we're not going to be able to get where we need to be as far as cleaning out the swamp and prosecuting this criminal conspiracy. All right, back to Otten. We now know that Otten was in crossfire from the start, October 4th, 2016 Steele inter- interview, and Danchenko 2017 interviews. October 4th is gonna be where they offered the million dollars, I suspect, I'm pretty sure. Later we would learn that he was a contributor to the Mueller investigation and wrote up September 2017 Steele interview. Emerald Eye, thank you very much for the rumble rant. I really appreciate that. Man, I really appreciate that rant. Thank you very much in your kind words. Thank you. Um, Oughten being involved in the Mueller investigation. Something jumps out at me about that. And give me just a moment and I will pull that up because I want to remind everybody. I want to remind everybody of Durham's order. I want to remind everybody that Attorney General Bill Barr made Durham a special counsel. And when he did, this is what he authorized him to investigate. It's important to remember exactly what Durham is investigating here. From Bill Barr's order, the special counsel is authorized to investigate whether any federal official, employee, or any other person or entity violated the law in connection with the intelligence, counterintelligence, or law enforcement activities directed at the 2016 presidential campaigns. Individuals associated with those campaigns and individuals associated with the administration of President Donald J. Trump, including but not limited to Crossfire Hurricane and the investigation of special counsel Robert S. Mueller III. So, my brain, when I read that Otten was a contributor to the Mueller investigation and that Otten was part of Crossfire Hurricane from the very beginning. And and, and that Durham has put Otten on the stand and that Otten is giving all this information and knowing that Durham's authorized to investigate all these things, including Crossfire Hurricane and the Mueller report, I can't help but suspect that Otten is under investigation by Durham. Makes sense. It's not. It's not. It's not a leap. It's not a leap to consider that that is a very strong possibility. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if uh, cross examination of Otten happened yesterday, but I wonder if he was asked whether or not he was under investigation because that's how we learned of a number of FBI agents being under investigation in the. Sussman trial is that they would get asked by the defense, Hey, are you under investigation right now by the IG or, or Durham special counsel? And they would have to answer yes. And the reason that that would happen on cross-examination is to try and draw, you know, try and point out to the jury or hope in the hope that the jury would feel like that person's testimony might be a little bit, um, adjusted because of them being under investigation, right? That's why you asked that stuff. Um, I wonder if that was asked of Otten. I'd really like to know. Man, I want these transcripts. Okay, back to the rest of this awesome thread. The next day in July of 2020, as we identified Steele's primary subsource as a former Brookings Institution employee and Fiona Hill protege, Igor Danchenko, and beginning to unravel FBI role in perpetuating fraud, Dims, especially the SSCI, began smearing Johnson and Grassley for Russian disinformation. As we parsed the Danchenko EC beneath the redactions, it became very clear that Danchenko had confessed to the FBI that he had never met Million and that the Steele dossier sourcing had been fabricated for allegations most critical to ICA and the FISA. Danchenko told Otten and Soma that he had sent two emails to Million, the supposed source of the blockbuster collusion allegations and reports in report number 95, that'd be part of the deal dossier, but did not receive a response to either one. It's hard to imagine a more obvious follow-up than examining these two emails. They eventually would be examined by Durham. We can speak with some authority on this since we did exactly that within hours of first reading the EC. On July 18th, we contacted Million and asked him to look for two summer emails from a four plus nine, I think it has to do is I'm not sure exactly what that means right now. On July 19th, following following uh, this other account, Hums the ID the Twitter account's name is Hums. His ID of Danchenko. Within minutes, Million had located the two emails from Danchenko, and where Danchenko was emailing him asking for uh, a meeting. The emails proved that Million had said all what Million had said all along that he had been framed as a steel source. Readers need to recall that only a few steel dossier reports mattered for continued predication of the of Crossfire Hurricane and for the ICA and for a Carter Page FISA. That's right. It wasn't the whole thing, it was just pieces. And man, I want to get into that. I'm going to I'm going to ho- I want to hold off for now though. Because uh Genealogy girl, good morning. Bring something up in chat. Mermaid Miss K, good morning. It was Igor Danchenko that had the uh, the goodbye chat, the goodbye twi- Twitter message. It is uh, right over here. I don't mind bringing it up because Igor had Igor had a meltdown on. Um, there we go. Here we go. Come on, Twitter. Here is Igor Danchenko's Twitter and his last tweet from February third. Farewell. All right. So there was testimony yesterday from Otten that Sergey Million was also a paid informant out of the Atlanta FBI field office. And as Cody Ave, or revisited, reveal, reveal, found right here, it was immediately posted to Dan or Millions Wikipedia, and you can see it here right here under allegations on the first day of Danchenko trial million was revealed to have been a confidential informant for the FBI Atlanta field office. Atlanta is where Sergey million had one of his non existent offices or addresses for his basically non-existent Russian American chamber of commerce outfit that he founded. And he claimed that represented uh, some 200 American businesses, or 200 mostly American businesses. But I went and looked. I went. I went to go check this. Okay, look. Co- Cody got the screenshot. The screenshot's there. This was edited onto his Wikipedia, and it cited 30 and 31 right here on the first day. But it's gone. So I don't know what to think about that. I just, I just don't know what to think about it. And it was definitely there. It was definitely there. And I went to it this morning to, because I was like, oh, 30 and 31, I want to go grab those those links to source it. Uh, but now it's gone. And what are references 30 and 31? One of them's from 2018 and one of them's from 2019 and they, they, don't, they don't give that information. So I don't know what the I don't know what to make of it now. I don't actually doubt it. I I don't actually doubt it that it was, um, that this is the case. Yeah. I went through, I went through and scanned all of this looking for any new and I'm not, I want to find the source. Now, Sergey million is in the comments saying, just wait, for the anonymous, mysterious Wiki super administrator Val Jean, I have no idea. You'll learn his identi- real identity one day. Well, we've learned his real identity. Actually, it's um, it seems like this guy edited it off. i know it's wikipedia i'm totally i totally get that wikipedia is not a really good source but wikipedia is a very very good starting place because of the links that it references and then you can just put your filter on um just put your filter on that you know it's going to be you know that it's going to be uh these these lefty app these Oh man, I'm really, I'm really trying not to cuss this morning. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what you're getting when it's Wikipedia. Just turn on your brain and, uh, filter it. But yeah, he edited it. Here it is right here. Valjean. And. Let's see. Now MuseScribe comes in and, uh, he had, there was some, there was, a. Uh, I saw something from him this morning where I think he had a screenshot of it. Maybe. Yeah, he's got it right. He, he got it right here as well. Um, but it's just the same screenshot. Let me see. We knew this. We knew this. He likes tool. That's, a oh man, I'm, People that like tool. Yep. I'm wearing a tool shirt right now. I'm wearing a fear inoculum shirt right now. Okay. So I don't, that's a good, yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeager or uh, Yeager 55. Uh, you know, you know that it's going to be slanted and you know that Wikipedia is going to be slanted and you know how to, uh, you can just adjust for it. So look, I don't doubt that, um, Sergei, was a paid informant in Atlanta okay I'm not doubting that claim I just really want to credibly source it right because as it's been pointed out in chat and as I'm sure y'all know anybody can go into Wikipedia and start making claims and adding things in here now Sergey appear- appearing in the comments here you know he's not refuting it but i don't trust sergey so i don't i don't trust sergey i don't still got a big question mark over sergey big question mark And learning that he, if this is true that Brian Naughton did testify to this, which I haven't found him in the Washington Examiner hasn't reported that. And I haven't found another news article, uh, that's reporting that. Then I don't, I don't know that it's true. I really want it to be sauced. I want a receipt. Um, what that means to me, what it makes me think though is that well maybe i shouldn't speculate that maybe i should i have some more speculation on it but i'll i'll hold off right now because i need a I need sauce i need sauce on it I'll, I'll hold off on that um okay now i see in the comments about me needing transcripts hell yeah i need the transcripts that's right i do need the transcripts but um i will say that you know if if um I don't know how expensive it would be and I do appreciate the offers from the community that, Hey, if, um, if it's a money thing, we can all buy cups of coffee and we can try and get the transcripts. I really appreciate that, but it's not, that's not the first hurdle. The first hurdle is that you have to, I'm pretty sure I need to be a lawyer. I need to be an attorney with an attorney's account on PACER to have access to them. And I am not see it's not it's not a money thing. That's not the money is not the first hurdle. It's that I do not have access. That's 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 the first hurdle. So now with now with, I see people saying, you know, those should these transcripts should be free. They will be free after 90 days. They will be free. So I know that um, yeah, TechnoFog, I know that Technofog said that he is going to be getting the transcripts and doing his reporting. I like TechnoFog very much, but he's not going to be providing the entire transcript. He's just going to do his own reporting, you know, on the transcripts. So Old fashioned by choice. Yeah, that's right. I seem to remember Robert Gouveia, um, or Gouveia saying that he spent over $4,000 to get all the transcripts for the Sussman trial. You pay per page, you pay like 10 to 20 cents per page to get them. It's no, it's no small expenditure. So, um, I really want the sauce on. It. I'm willing to believe this that that million was a paid informant and it makes me think um it, it makes me think uh Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. I'm really tempted to speculate, but I I'm willing to speculate a little bit but I I don't want to speculate that far. Okay. Um, there was something else I was going to bring up with y'all. Uh, what was it? There's one other thing I wanted to bring up with y'all. Had to do with Otten and Comey. Oh, there's a nut, man. What was it? Okay, so Comey would have. Comey was director at this time, of course. Struck was head of a counterintelligence division, and then Brian Auten would have been under him, I believe. So this all goes back to that group, and I've lost. I've lost it. I've lost it. Okay, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to cover this morning about the trial. Just a moment. Art Terrell, thank you very much for the Rumble rant. They ask, was Danchenko working both sides of the fence hedging his bets? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. Okay, here we go. Well, I I don't know this person, so I'm not sure of the veracity of their, their claims. That's one, that's one thing I want to be really careful of, um, is that there's so few reporters at this trial that are There's so few reports of this trial period. And then there are some random people that are making some claims about what is being said and what is coming out of the trial. And I have a real hesitation to use any of that because anybody could say anything. You know what I mean? I really want to be careful about what these, what people are claiming. And what makes it even worse is when people are instead of actually giving quotes and being very specific, um, and reporting reporting it as a reporter would, they're instead giving their interpretation of what was put out and uh, what was said in the courtroom. And I I'm really hesitant to go with that. I really I liked I liked how John of the Epoch Times was doing it. Lots of quotes. Give me just a moment to scan just a bit. We've hit the major, we've hit the, we've hit the major information I wanted to hit today. But before we go, I want to scan and make sure there wasn't something else I wanted to pull up. And I don't think there is. I think I got that. And I got the Otten thread. Okay. Let's um I have another piece of news. Let's let's bump off of the Danchenko day one after I present this piece of information to you. Got one more piece that isn't from anything that happened in day one of this trial, but I want to point out something about Carter Page. And this speaks to a, this speaks to my overall theory of everything having to do with Donald Trump's presidency, really. Uh, but especially crossfire hurricane and the, everything that came after it. Mueller special counsel, Durham investigation, all of it. Okay. I want to point out to you, you remember that this information, some of the information in the dossier, some of the information in the Steele dossier was used to support a FISA warrant on Carter Page. And then that FISA warrant was renewed three times okay so a total of four FISA warrants but it's the same one renewed three times okay we didn't know this at the time but we know now that Carter Page was an asset Horowitz found that an unnamed government agency, widely acknowledged to be the CIA, told the FBI that it was making a mistake about Page and that he was working for the agency as an operational contact in Moscow. Indeed, he was working as an asset for the CIA for years. While it was falsely reported that Page met with three suspicious individuals there, he had no contact with two of those individuals. More importantly, Page did the right thing and told American officials about being contacted by the third person because he felt they should know. Carter Page got spied on. He had the FISA warrant put on him. Thanks to information that Danchenko gave to the FBI, or that Danchenko provided to Steele and that the the FBI got from Steele as part of the dossier, And then Klein Smith got rung up because it was Klein Smith who altered an email that hid the fact that Carter Page was an asset. And then the CIA is like, "Yo, FBI people, you're this guy's one of ours. You're making a mistake here." And the reason I want to bring this up is that I think this is an a-, a key aspect of the overall sting that was being run by Trump and the good guys or the White Hats, however you want to think of it. I think the good guys were aware that Carter Page was an asset. But guess what? He's an asset. He's already being surveilled and doing information intel gathering for the U S government. So when they got this FISA on him, the people who didn't know that he was an asset were effectively falling for a honey trap. And I think the good guys, white hats, Patriots, whatever you want to call them that were in law enforcement in FBI, in the Trump administration and, and before the Trump administration. I think they allowed this to happen because it was part of the trap of catching the bad guys that were in the FBI. They allowed them to make these mistakes, knowing that they would be doc- These mistakes would be documented. They allowed them to commit this wrongdoing because they knew it would be documented and that it could be investigated later. In other words, they tricked these bad actors into thinking they could actually get Trump. They tricked them into thinking that there was a good reason to get this FISA, That there the Steele dossier was was uh, verifiable. That um, that there was Russia collusion between Trump campaign and Russia, and they led them. They allowed them. They gave them space to commit these errors and expose themselves as the bad actors that they are. Yet Magnus Maslider, boom. Fisa works both ways. I think that's the reason why this that that line is in the drops. I think this right here is that reason. These swamp creatures aren't just going to come out and declare to the world, I'm a swamp creature. And these these people who are aligned with the swamp aren't just going to come out and declare it. You got to put some bait on a hook and cast it out into the swamp. They got drawn. Yeah, they got drawn out. They got drawn out see why see why um Klein Smith only got a slap on the wrist for altering that email Klein Smith's Klein Smith is a dork have y'all ever do you remember what Kevin Kleinsmith looks like Guys you think you think this guy Imagine, imagine this man, and I'm, I'm sorry, Kevin, but, uh, you deserve it. Imagine this, this guy sitting across the the table from John H. Durham. (laughs) Oh, that was too easy for Durham. Too easy for Durham. So, he falsified that document, and then he told Durham everything. He told Durham everything. Everything. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out. That I remember when this news broke that Carter Page was actually an asset, and everybody was like, oh, I can't believe that but then it kind of just faded away and nobody really kind of like factored in to what that actually meant for the overall scheme of what was going on. And then that's the my larger point about Trump. Trump is an FBI asset and so is the Trump organization. They have been since the late seventies, certainly since the early eighties. So the FBI, the bad actors in the FBI got tricked. They got baited into spying on one of the FBI's own assets. So in doing that, they were revealing that they were the bad people in the FBI. Okay. All right, folks, that is my, sh- my show for today. That's my recap for today. And those, what I presented, those are the most significant pieces of information that I was able to gather out of this trial and that I feel comfortable presenting it because I feel like it's credible. I know that there are a couple more threads floating around out there. But I, I don't. I really want to be careful about uh, what I present, and uh, I'm way more comfortable with going with reporting from Epoch Times or Washington Examiner um, than I am some of the other sources. So that's just that's just where I'm at. On that's the decision that I've made, and uh, really appreciate y'all. I really appreciate the offers to get the transcripts and help me get the transcripts. Look, if it, if we can make it happen, then. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, but I just don't, I don't have access. Um, if I could first get access, that would be great. And then we can solve, we can solve the expense issue later, right? We can figure out the expense issue later. Um, but the, it's getting access. That is the real, the real trouble. So thank you guys very much. Thank you for the rumble rants. Let me go ahead and release the, uh, scratch offs over on Foxhole. Thank you for the Rumble Rants. Thank you for the copies. Guys, if you want to support this show, if you like the reporting that I do and the analysis and commentary that I give and you enjoy watching me totally mess things up and uh, you know be very pro on screen, the best way to support what I do is to get a paid subscription at justhuman.substack.com or join locals Um, or buymeacoffee.com slash justhuman. But Substack is the absolute best way. But even if you can't afford it or you don't like my stuff so much that you actually want to buy me a cup of coffee or whatever, you should still sign up for my Substack, put your email in, sign up for it, because that is everything on there is free. And it's through my Substack that I do a podcast version of this show. Um, As soon as this show is over, I'll rip the audio from it. I'll upload it to Substack as a podcast. So if you prefer to get news and information from podcasts while you work out or you work around the house or you mow the lawn or, I guess, this time of year, rake leaves, Substack is how you get it. And you can play the podcast either from the Substack app on your phone. Or you can actually set it up to feed this, the, the podcast to your favorite player. It's uh, my podcast is available on Apple podcasts and a number of other players, but you have to go to my, uh, substack first to get it. So thank you all very much. I enjoyed presenting this information today and I'm really looking forward to the information that's going to come out of the trial from day two. I will be live again tomorrow morning at 9 30 AM and I will do the same thing. I will gather up as much credible information as I can that drops from today's trial or today's trial proceedings, and I will present them tomorrow morning on the show. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. This is Durham week. This is a great week. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. God bless each and every one of you. I'll see you tomorrow.